KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power, welcoming the renowned Jack Quartet to San Diego for an evening of music titled Modern Medieval with works by Caroline Shaw, Morton Feldman, and more. Monday, May 6th at The Loft at UC San Diego, artpower.ucsd.edu. An urgent push to wean California off of fossil fuels. 100% carbon-free sources by 2030. I'm Mark Sauer, in for Maureen Cavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. San Diego Zoo Global is shifting the focus of its conservation efforts. Coexisting with wildlife helps the wildlife and it also helps the community. Our weekend preview features in-person gallery experiences, virtual theater and dance, and a string quartet streaming tunes from the Star of India. That's all ahead on KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Touring sites of California's latest hellstorms on September 11th, Governor Gavin Newsom declared, quote, this is a climate dam emergency. Now environmental groups are calling the state's mandate to be carbon-free by 2045 woefully inadequate. They're beseeching Newsom to greatly accelerate our transition from fossil fuels. Rob Nicoleski, energy reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, explained the details in a story today, and he joins me now. Rob, welcome back to Midday Edition. Always good to talk to you, Mark. We'll start by describing California's current energy goals. They're laid out in 2018 Senate Bill 100. When is the state supposed to be uh, using energy that's 100% carbon free and how are we gonna get that done? Yeah, well, the, the current mandate is that uh, we'll get by, uh, in the next 10 years, SB 100 mandates that 60% of the state's power will come from renewable sources. Now that by 2045 bumps up to 100% but it's 100% carbon free. And that's a, an, an interesting and important distinction because renewables like solar and wind, uh, there are renewable sources, but they're also intermittent. And that's been one of their issues is because when the wind doesn't blow, we don't get much wind production and uh, solar production is terrific during the day, but you don't get any solar production at night. So how do you get to 100% by 2045 is there's some wiggle room there in the um, in the mandate for SB 100, in which you can also count carbon-free sources uh, to get to that 100% goal. Now, carbon-free sources can be renewables, as we mentioned, but also can be large hydro projects. 
Environment California and other environmental groups thinks this isn't good enough. What do they recommend? Well, they want to see the uh, 2045 deadline, so to speak, moved up by 15 years up to 2030, because they say when you look at what happened with the hailstorms, as you mentioned at your intro about uh, all the wildfires that have been going on in California and also throughout the West, that they say this is impetus to move forward and to get um, to 100% carbon-free sources by 20, 30, 15 years ahead of time. So that's what, that's what they're pushing for. And less than 10 years from now, and this plan isn't going over very well with some legislators, including Democrats. What are their arguments? Well, I talked to Assemblymember Jim Cooper, who's from uh, the Sacramento uh, suburb of Elk Grove. And I talked to him because when the state had the rolling blackouts uh, last month, those brief rolling blackouts, he went to Twitter and was pretty active on uh, on what uh, he saw were some of the issues. He's a Democrat. Um, but he's skeptical about whether or not we can get to 100% renewables by 2030. He's not an energy expert, uh, admittedly, he says, but he says that um, he doesn't think that we can get to uh, all renewable sources right now, and he thinks that 2030 might be pushing it. And Governor Newsom seems to side with the environmentalists. He respectfully clashed with President Trump during a meeting in the Bay Area this week. The governor declared he has no patience now for climate change deniers like Trump. Is Newsom ready to campaign to accelerate California's energy transition? That's a big question. I mean, but the indications are that he might, because at that same time where he said this is a damn climate emergency, he also said uh, across the entire spectrum, our state goals are inadequate to the reality we are experiencing. So that seems to indicate that he wants to move or accelerate the state goals, but he didn't say that explicitly. And that's what Environment California really hung their hat on, was they said, look, we saw an opening here with the governor saying that we need to accelerate our goals. And what they're suggesting is to move this up 15 years instead of 2045 to 2030. The big question is going to be, A, can we do that from an engineering standpoint? And B, if even if it can be done, can it be done affordably? And there are daunting challenges, obviously, with all this. Start with energy storage. That means batteries, but it also means creative solutions like hydro projects using pumping stations, presumably fueled by green energy. How does that work? Well, that's one of the, um, if you're going to try to get to 100% carbon-free sources, and which basically means you're going to be trying to make up for or eliminate natural gas production. Natural gas is the largest single source of electricity production in California. It's more than 30 percent. What we should, what we can do to make up for that loss of natural gas, they start looking at things like battery storage. And so to directly to your point, pumped hydro is a possibility that you were derive a lot of electricity from what you get with pumped hydro is you have hydroelectric facilities and they pump water from one reservoir up to another reservoir. And then they release the water and they turn generators and that produces electricity. The other big area that, uh, that, that people see as a possible replacement for fossil fuel energy would be battery storage. And that would be lithium ion batteries. But if you could store that, store that energy up with batteries, then at nighttime when we're not producing solar, you can release 
that energy from batteries. Well, we're out of time, but uh, there's a lot more moving parts to all this. Transmission lines are another issue and how we're going to pay for all this, the cost of it. And you get at that in your story. I'd recommend folks go to the Union Tribune website or kpbs.org and take a look at that today. And and there'll be an update on this. Uh, you say uh, first of next year on SB 100 and uh, what our timetable is to transition away from fossil fuels. I've been speaking with Rob Nikoleski, energy reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Mark. San Diego Zoo Global is shifting the focus of its conservation efforts. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says the multi-million dollar organization plans a more holistic approach to helping threatened species. The San Diego Zoo Safari Park's nine African elephants were already seeking out shade early on a recent morning. Right now is we've got Zuli lying down in a big soft pile of dirt. Senior keeper Mindy Albright smiles as the youngest member of the herd tries to relax. He's had his morning breakfast, he just had some milk from his mom, and now it's nap time, just like we would like to do right about now. Two-year-old Micaiah lumbers over and sits on the smaller elephant Zuli. The herd clusters around the youngsters in a small spot of shade. They're touching each other, their trunks are inspecting the ground. They're very sensitive with their skin, even though it's thick, and their feet. So they're feeling where they're putting their body so that they don't step on Zuli. The elephants eventually leave this area and move to an adjacent compound. There, visitors can get a peek at these giant mammals as the pachyderms focus on finding and devouring the treats keepers left for them. They're also helping elephants thousands of miles away. For more than a year, Albright and her team have collected milk from the lactating moms so that that milk can be analyzed by researchers at UC San Diego. Just like for humans, when you first give birth, the milk has a very specific makeup or uh, composition about it. And then as the calf grows, that milk formula is going to change. Knowing the exact kind of milk to give an orphaned elephant calf can be the difference between life and death. And the Riteti Elephant Sanctuary in Kenya depends on the information, as workers there mix formulas for orphaned calves. They get a sick or injured animal. Sometimes they don't know exactly how old it is because it could be malnourished, weak. It's really critical that they know around what age that calf is so that they can determine what the milk formula is that they're making. Albright says elephant numbers are dwindling in the wild and research in San Diego could help. Nadine Lamberski is the zoo's new chief conservation officer. Coexisting with wildlife helps the wildlife and it also helps the community. She says the research on elephant milk in San Diego will have a tangible impact at Riteti. This is the first community run elephant sanctuary in all of Africa. This is um, a facility that is completely staffed by, by the, the folks that live in the community and they have lived amongst elephants their entire lives. That relationship hasn't always been a positive one. Lamberski says conservation allows the community to embrace the wildlife in their region instead of fighting against it. Cultivating that conservation ethos 
will in turn help create economic opportunities around the reserve and in the nearby community. Really trying to connect that work, that saving species to increasing biodiversity, which will really help our planet as a whole. The zoo's pivot is not an about face. Research to protect endangered species will continue, but zoo president and CEO Paul Barabalt says when the organization moves forward, the focus will be more holistic. Our goal is to take the care that we practice every day, protecting and maintaining wildlife, and bring that to the field. Barabalt doesn't expect an easy transition, and he says there are unknowns as the organization decides where to put its resources. How should we work with partners? How do we collaborate with communities on the ground, other NGOs? And it's such an incredible comprehensive approach that I looked at and said, that's how we need to show up around the world, across all of our work, including here in San Diego in our own backyard. Barabalt wants the overall approach to the zoo's conservation initiatives to consider more than just the threatened species. He wants to integrate the zoo's animal care expertise with consideration of communities and habitats where those animals live. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. KPBS On Demand is supported by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air, Restoration and Flood Services. Family owned and operated for three generations, Bill Howe has been serving the plumbing, heating and air and water damage needs of the San Diego area since 1980 with their fleet of trained professionals. Bill Howe has the ability to service all major and minor plumbing and HVAC emergency needs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Bill Howe is committed to providing excellent service to their customers with transparent quotes and attention to detail on every job. Whether you're in need of an HVAC installation, plumbing, or water damage restoration in San Diego, they offer the convenience of scheduling an appointment over the phone, online, or through live chat on their website. Call 1-800-BILL-HOWE or visit billhowe.com. Because we know how. I'm Mark Sauer. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. The new normal in the arts and culture scene in San Diego is an ever-evolving mix of formats. And this weekend has it all, from in-person gallery experiences, virtual theater and dance, and a string quartet streaming tunes from a boat directly to your landlocked home. Joining me is KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans with all the details. Welcome, Julia. Hey, Mark. Let's start with the visual arts world. We're seeing galleries and museums opening up for small groups and appointment-based viewings. How does this work and what's going on this weekend? Yeah, so since around midsummer, we've seen some galleries offer these appointment only viewings where individuals or small groups get access to the space while nobody else is in there. And some of our smaller galleries in town already had such narrow open hours pre-COVID that they already had these appointment systems set in place. But um, with bigger museums struggling throughout the summer to balance their own opening plans, these appointment-only models have quietly stuck around. And Lux Art Institute in Encinitas is just reopening today with a strict reservation system. And the upside is these visits are free. Well, what's on display at Lux? Yeah, they're opening two new exhibitions from their artist-in-residence model. 
One is Cosmo White, who's a Jamaican-born artist blending sculpture, drawing, photography, performance art, and these major installation works. He works to explore identity, his own body, and his works often build on something mundane, even kind of kitschy, everyday things or furniture. And um, regional artist, Belize Iriste, she divides her time between San Diego and Ensenada. She'll display her ceramics and mixed media works. They're all these beautiful sculptures and she really pulls on materials and techniques from her varied influences. And works by Cosmo White and Belize Iriste are now on display at Lux Art Institute to view with advanced reservations Thursday through Saturday from 2 to 5 p.m. And the Haussmann Quartet returns to the ship, the Berkeley, at the Maritime Museum this weekend. But of course, things are a little different. Tell us about this performance. Yeah, their Hide and Voyages series is usually a really lovely performance from aboard the Berkeley uh, with string quartet music by, yes, Haydn, but also some of his contemporaries as well as newer modern works. Uh, this weekend's performance, Worldly Travelers, has already been recorded on the boat to an empty performance space, and it'll be streamed to viewers at home. The selections are pretty diverse. There's a late 1700s concerto by Chevalier de Saint-Georges, who worked with Haydn, but he was also one of the first noted composers of African descent. I have a clip here of his quartet concertante in B-flat major. There's also a piece by a young Iranian composer, Aftab Davishi, who based her composition on a poem. It's haunting and hypnotic and a really nice contrast to the older stuff. And they'll round it out with a really whimsical Haydn quartet, one of the last ones he wrote. And the Haussmann Quartet's Haydn Voyages streams Sunday at 4 p.m. We also have a dance film series kicking off this weekend. Yeah, and I'm really loving the popularity dance film as a genre is getting while these performance venues are shut down. The Rosenbox Project has delivered a steady stream of new works and they're launching a film series, four weekends where a new dance film is released each week. Up first is The Long Goodbye and it's set in the stunning old house with spooky institutional looking corridors, puzzle-like staircases, and what I love about dance film is how it can really hold the narrative of storytelling and film, but also kind of play with the abstract, go a little obscure and plotless if they want. And the Rosenbox Project's offering up these films with season subscriptions for all of their upcoming programming. The Rosenbox's In Focus dance film series kicks off tonight online with The Long Goodbye. Finally, Moxie Theater is back. They're presenting a new play staged and streamed to audiences at home. Tell us about the niceties. Yeah, so Moxie's launching these performances beginning Saturday of Eleanor Burgess's 2018 play. It's a two-person show directed by Moxie's co-founder, Delicia Turner Sonnenberg. The play's about two women. 
One's a young black student and the other is her white professor. And the entire thing hinges around a meeting between them to discuss the student's paper about the American Revolution. I love the idea that a single setting could unravel to fill a play and it pulls on these themes of race, feminism, politics, and more. And to tackle those issues with the audience, Moxie's also framing each show with a Q&A and discussion as well. Certainly sounds timely. And the Moxie Theater presents The Niceties Thursday through Saturday at 7 p.m. and Sunday at 2 p.m. with more performances through October 4th. For more arts events, visit the KPBS Arts Calendar or sign up for the weekly KPBS Arts Newsletter at kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor and Producer, Julia Dixon-Evans. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Mark. Have a good weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating, and Air Restoration and Flood Services. Family owned and operated for three generations, Bill Howe has been serving the plumbing, heating and air and water damage needs of the San Diego area since 1980. With their fleet of trained professionals, Bill Howe has the ability to service all major and minor plumbing and HVAC emergency needs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Bill Howe is committed to providing excellent service to their customers with transparent quotes and attention to detail on every job. Whether you're in need of an HVAC installation, plumbing, or water damage restoration in San Diego, they offer the convenience of scheduling an appointment over the phone, online, or through live chat on their website. Call 1-800-BILL-HOWE or visit billhowe.com. Because we know how. <laughs> 